You're listening to the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast, your source for tips and tricks on building wealth through real estate in Connecticut. You will get the best techniques from leading local experts in real estate and lending. Now, here's your host, Robert Weinberg. Good Saturday morning to everybody. Welcome to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast, along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. Rob, great to see you, my friend. Good to see you this morning, Gary. How are you? I like your shirt, by Thank the way. Thank you. A little snazzy here. Yes, it is. Uh, and, and, and yet it's a Saturday morning, and look at you. Yes, always got to be dressed to the nines, right? If you look good, you feel good. So you must be feeling quite nice. Very good this morning. How was your week? Pretty good. Pretty good. You know, we're seeing that kind of pre-spring market taking over. A lot of people getting pre-approved. A lot of people out there making plans. And I think it just bleeds over from the New Year's resolutions we Mm -hmm. talked about. A lot of people nowadays, they have real estate on the forefront of their mind, whether it's financial goals, personal goals with their family. People are buying, selling, financing real estate. It's a big part of it. You know, you're looking for I'm a looking. House. I can't find anything right now. I, I mean, know. it's it's we're still look, it's mid-February. I get it. You know, if this were if this were mid-May, I'd be panicking. But it's mid-February. I'll give it another month and I'm th- I'm kind of thinking by when we start getting into middle end of March, I'm going I I I kind of think that the inventory will increase, but right now I'm not liking yes. what I'm seeing. You just got to stay the course and be patient now. There w- we are turning a corner. There will be more opportunities. You're well positioned, you're pre-approved and ready to go. Ah. That's that's the main thing is getting ready. So many people think, "Oh, I'll get I'll get all that prep done when I find the house." And that's wrong. It doesn't work. So, period. All right, so but to that point, let's say I wake up tomorrow morning and I see a house, you know, and I'm like, "Geez, you know what? I better strike while the iron's hot." I, I this a lot of things happen so quick. Mm-hmm. Do I call you no, or you're, do I just tell realtor. my agent and say, "I'm putting in an offer. Yep. This house here goes for 350." I'll, well, I'll, you'll you'll uh, have a collaboration with your agent. Yeah. Tell them, here's the address. Here's what I'm looking to do. Here's my general numbers. They'll craft the offer with you. They'll put in the offer for you. That's their job. So you're ready, though. You already have the paperwork done with me. You have your pre-approval letter. Now it's your agent. We pass that torch to your agent now, Alan in your case, yep. Alan Grover. Yep. And he'll take it from there. He'll get your negotiation done. Then it'll come back to me once your negotiation is accepted, your offer is accepted, and you're moving and full speed ahead, then I get back involved to we'll process and get that mortgage going. So, you know, on this show, we cover so much residential stuff about people just like you buying their first or their second home. Sure. And I've gotten so many questions from people about the other side of it, the investor side, the commercial side. Oh, yeah. Um, People looking to really expand a portfolio, buying Airbnb properties so often, vacation homes, rentals, that sort of thing. And, you know, I'm not the expert on that. I've dabbled in it here and there, but I'm not the expert. So I had been racking my brain, you know, on who can we bring on? Who's a real expert in that area? And the light bulb went off. I was talking to a friend of mine a couple weeks ago, a college friend of mine, uh, we started in the mortgage industry at the same time, and Andrew Shanti. Uh, Andrew is a great, great friend of mine, professional colleague. 
We've been in the industry for, you know, 20 plus years together, mm. close to it. Mm. And he just has a different direction than I went. I went more the residential owner occupied second home type of way. He went the investor commercial, uh, you know, the business purpose type of loans. So that's my special guest today. And I think probably one of our most eccentric, most valuable, most knowledgeable guests, wow. Mr. Andrew Shanti. Andrew, nice to meet you. Welcome to the show. Hey, Rod. Hey, Gary. Pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for having me on. Really excited about uh, this morning's call. No, so so am I. So you, you're like Rob said. He's more uh, residential, and and uh, you're more. You're both residential and commercial, but for investment purposes, right? You got it. Yeah. So I'm strictly on the investment property side, whereas as Rob is dealing with the average homeowner who's you know just just looking for the best deal on their home. I'm on the flip side of the coin, so I don't deal with anyone just buying a home to live in. I strictly deal with real estate from the investment side. Yeah. Uh, what are the key factors then to consider when investing in real estate with a mortgage? So when you look at real estate as an investment mechanism, like all investment vehicles, the most important thing is making money. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so investment real estate is all about cash flow or there's a couple different sectors, right? When it comes to investment real estate, You've got people that are buying homes that are run down, blights to the community, and so they're they're going them going in, picking them up at a discount, rehabbing them, and and bringing them back to their former glory or into another beautiful property, right? So that's that's one investment vehicle is your fix and flips, and then you have the other investors out there that are, are buying a property strictly for cash flow, whether that's just a, a long term rental, someone's coming in, putting in a tenant who's going to live there for a year or two. Or someone who, like Rob said, is going in and buying like your Airbnb or your Verbo property that's using it as a, uh, a more active investment where you've got almost like a hospitality model of, of people coming and going, you know, two, three times a week. So you, you've got different strategies that are, are taking place. But at the end of the day, it's, it's all about making money with real estate. There's differences, though, right, between a conventional mortgage and the investment mortgage that you're alluding to? Significant. So... I'm on the hard money side of the industry, which there's a lot of misconception as far as, you know, what a hard money loan is or what a hard money mortgage is. And I run into this all the time. Almost every single pre-qualification letter that I'll send into a real estate agent, I immediately get a phone call from the real estate agent saying, hey, what's hard money? Mm. You know, what, what, what is this? I don't know what it is. My seller doesn't know what it is. And, and usually by the end of that call, um, my offer will be accepted by the seller just uh, by the way I explain it to them. So on the conventional mortgage side, the qualifications that uh, you know underwriting is looking for is they're looking at income, they're looking at your credit score, they're looking at your job history. You know, they're they're looking at the the five C's, right? Your your basic qualifications of hey, is this person going to be able to pay for the mortgage long term? On the investment real estate side, we are the complete opposite of that. So we're looking at the specific property's ability to pay the mortgage over time. Uh, so, yeah, we're still concerned about credit, uh, but we don't care about job history. We don't care about tax returns. And our mortgages also don't show up on people's credit reports like a conventional mortgage. So they're, they're considered business purpose loans. And because they're written strictly for non-owner-occupied properties, we've just got a, a ton of flexibility in how we structure them, how we put them together, uh, just just the options for actually bringing the loan across the finish line are night and day different than the conventional mortgage process. 
you're going to end up with uh, more leverage on a conventional mortgage a lot of times, right? So on a, on a typical purchase in a, a conventional mortgage, you're going to get up to 90% financing uh, for, for just like a, a regular property. On the investment side, you'll get, say, 80% on a rental. So you're, you're not going to necessarily get as high leverage, but the ability for you to not care about job history, uh, not care about your tax returns, not, not care about like a lot of the things that will tank a conventional mortgage or make it very difficult to get the finance. That's the world that we live in, the hard money world. Andrew, also, yeah. go, I'm sorry. No, please continue. I didn't want to interrupt you. I, I thought you were done. I did have a question. I did have a follow-up question to that, though. Yeah, also, what, one of the uh, the big misconceptions when it comes to hard money is, is people think hard money and they, they think there's a, a shark swimming in the water coming at them, you know, re- ready to take their property away from them. That, that's really not the case. So when we say hard money, what's being referred to as the source of the capital that's behind us. So when you're doing a, a conventional mortgage, you have Fannie and Freddie or you've got the, the federal government that's behind you buying those mortgages. In the hard money world, you have hedge funds, private equity companies, you've got uh, health insurance, life insurance companies, etc., cetera, uh, private pensions that are behind the scenes providing the capital because they're getting a higher rate of return than they would with conventional mortgages, i.e. like buying notes. So when I say a higher higher rate, there's two different sides to the uh, like the investment real estate world. There's the short-term side, which mm-hmm. is you know your bridge financing. It's typically a 12-month, 18-month, or 24-month interest-only loan with no prepayment penalty. Whereas on the rental side, you're going to have like your traditional 30-year mortgage, whether it's a five-year arm, seven-year arm, 10-year arm, etc. But it's always going to be based around a, a 30-year mortgage, right? Uh, Rates on the short term are going to be higher. You're looking at 9, 10, 11, 12%. But when you're looking at like a, a long term, even in the hard money world, our rates can be anywhere from about a quarter to a point, point and a half higher than what you would see with conventional mortgage financing. So it's not necessarily all that much more expensive on a long term. We, we call them a, a DSCR, which is a debt service coverage ratio loan, which is just Basically, the property's ability to pay the mortgage based off of cash flow. That's, that's what's referred to by that. So on those loans, we're just slightly higher than the conventional financing would be. So the big, big misconception there is that hard money's got to be super expensive. Uh, back when conventional rates were around 3.75, I was doing you know 80% financing at, at 4.25, just for a comparison. So it's really not that much higher than conventional financing. I've been surprised seeing you know Andrew price out some deals and things at how competitive the interest rates are because, like he said, most people think when you're getting into this hard money or private capital, it's going to be these obscene rates of you know, 12%, 15% plus like credit card interest rates, and it's just not. I mean there's been times when I've looked at pricing with Andrew and it's comparable or very, very close to the same loan on the conventional side because I think the important thing our listeners understand is – that there's a push away from Fannie and Freddie and conventional with investors. They're trying to get away from helping people build their portfolio, whereas these um, these type of programs Andrew's talking about are designed for real estate investors. They're really meant to help and spur activity in that, whereas the government side, the Fannie, Freddie side, and I just heard an announcement last week, like they are pushing investors out. They're saying, if you're trying to profit with our money, we're going to make it really expensive 
doesn't mean it's impossible. It's just really expensive. So if they're making it so much more expensive, all of a sudden Andrew Optimus come in with this great, you know, capital source that's going to be comparable, like you said, maybe a quarter, a half a point higher. It's not even worth it. Why would you even mess with a conventional loan? This is so much easier, less friction, less paperwork, and it's not that much more expensive. It's a so commercial loan, though, right? It's it's not a re- it's not considered a residential. It's a pri- loan? I think Andrew, it's considered like a private money loan, right? Private business purpose loans is what they're called. All right, so they're not on your personal credit report. That's huge. Okay, so it's for commercial purposes. Not re- you, not, you wouldn't be living there. Okay, so right. a quarter, a half a percent more. Um, than you would for your home. What about the length? Is a commercial loan, a commercial mortgage, excuse me, is that, can that be 30 years like a residential mortgage? They're actually all 30-year mortgages on the long-term side. So okay. we, we don't have like the 15-year, the 20, 25-year mortgage on the, on the hard money world. It's all going to be based around a 30-year mortgage. Okay. All right. Now, what about preoccupancy or compared to vacant? Um, that doesn't doesn't matter. So, if if someone is buying a property, we're going to qualify that property based off of say market rents, right? So, when an appraisal comes back, there is a part of the appraisal which has a market rent schedule. When we're doing mortgages for investment properties, so you don't necessarily need somebody in the property when you're buying it. We're just going to qualify it based off of the potential cash flow. Now, this is what gets interesting. So when we uh, pre-qualify a borrower, right, and say they qualify at, uh, you know, uh, 20% down on a purchase, Mm -hmm. the other thing that we're looking for is we're looking that they have their 20% down, their closing costs, plus at least six months of interest reserves such that they could make the mortgage payment for six months before the property takes over and pays for itself. So that's kind of part of the underwriting guidelines as far as qualifications, as far as like liquidity. Okay. We just want to make sure that you've got at least six months of payments covered. Those aren't impounded or escrowed. It's not just sitting there in a bank account. We just want to make sure that you have the money, All right. that you could support it while you're getting a tenant or rehabbing it or staging it or whatever you're doing to the house to, to make it viable as an investment medium. So it makes no difference if I had a com- I was purchasing a commercial property and let's say three units, I don't know, a restaurant, I don't know, whatever, it's irrelevant. Uh, but let's say it's three, it's, there's three units under one roof. Whether they're all occupied when I purchase it, or if it's only one occupant or two occupants, or there's zero occupancy, that doesn't even factor into me obtaining that commercial mortgage, you're saying? Makes no difference to us. Gotcha. You got it. Okay. So how do you determine... Well, go ahead. Now, if it's a refinance, different story, right? So if someone is trying to pull cash out of a property or they're just trying to refinance it because their note came due, in that situation, we're going to require that there is a tenant in place unless they're going short term. So once they're actually into the property and it's operating, Mm -hmm. they've got to have a tenant in place with a signed lease they can provide to us when they're refinancing. Gotcha. Just not on a purchase. How do you determine the best type of mortgage for your real estate investment. There's many different types. How, how do you how do you know which is the best one? So, I, I always stick with the old adage. Old adage: cash is king, right? So the the name of the game for a real estate investor is making as much money as possible. So when you're looking at the, the different types of products that are available, it's really important to understand 
what is the long-term goal of the real estate investor, right? Because you have short-term investors and you've got long-term investors Mm -hmm. and they're each approaching the market in different ways. So uh, for instance, a short-term investor is going to be like your fix and flip guy, right? They're trying to get in and get out as quickly as possible. On a fix and flip loan, we we can get really aggressive as far as like our financing terms. We can do up to 90% of the purchase 100% 100% of the rehab costs as reimbursements back to the investor, up to 70% of the after-repair value for a first-time investor that has no previous experience. Super aggressive. Super aggressive. Now, you're going to be paying, again, like 10.99, 11.99, 12.99% interest. But if you're in and out of that loan in three months' time, yeah. then you may have really only paid 3 or 4%. So when you when you look at the big picture of it, it sounds really expensive, but the name of the game is to get in, fix the property, sell it, and get out. So and it's, it's about you're, return you're on investment. investment. If you're paying twelve point nine nine, but you're making thirty percent on that deal for the time you hold it, simple return on investment. You got to like detach yourself emotionally from double digit interest rates and look at it as a business transaction because these are business purpose loans for business people, for investors. So it's not that's too high. It's my return isn't going to be high enough to justify that higher rate. But typically on these type of deals, if you're paying 11, 12, 13, 14% mortgage rate, you better be making 20, 30, 40% on your capital, right? Then it's a good deal. But if you're paying the high double digit interest rates and you're breaking even or barely, you know, there's not a lot of meat on the bone, so to speak, not worth it. These are not the right loans for that type of person. I got you. So what are then, um, Andrew, what are the, what are the current trends in the real estate investment market? And, and really, how do they affect mortgage rates? So it's, it's really interesting on our side. You know, I, I, I like to think of real estate investors as probably some of the most aggressive entrepreneurs you'll ever come across. I, I love dealing with real estate investors because every every decision they make is just a dollar and cents decision. It's just a financial decision for them. There, there's nothing. They're not falling in love with the real estate because they're not living there. It's mm-hmm. not something they look at every day. It's it's just to make money with, right? Sure. So that that being said. The approach that they take with it, whether it's short-term or whether it's long-term, determines everything, right? So the, the biggest trend right now that you're seeing is probably the short-term rental market and the amount of money that people are making, right? So perfect example, you could have a long-term rental property that you're only making, say, 1500 or $2,000 a month in rent on. That same property as a short-term rental might make $5,000, $7,000, $8,000, dollars It's been in a really good market, i.e. like a beach town or a ski community or something that has a lot of draw to it. So it's a more active investment type. You've got to be a lot more hands-on, but the return on the property can be significantly higher than a long-term site would be, just a single renter in there. I mean, it's just night and day difference. So you've got a lot of operators out there that have really mastered the short-term rental game, you know, your Airbnb and your verbal properties, and they're making six figures on a property. They're, they're bringing in 100000 110000 I've seen some of these properties that are making several hundred thousand dollars on just a short-term rental. Guaranteed, they're in some more expensive markets like your Vail, your Aspen, uh, you know, your... Uh, Hamptons and places like that. But the amount of money that they're able to generate is just 
unfathomable for an investment property. So that, that's been a, a big trend that really took off during the pandemic. You had a lot of people that didn't want to go to hotels, right? Mm-hmm. They wanted to go someplace away from people with their family and just check out either be in nature, be close to the beach. You know, it, it's just a, a different, different experience, right? So you had this huge influx of people that kind of poured into that space and bought all of these investment properties and have done phenomenally well. Now, as COVID's kind of backed off, the pandemic's kind of, we're coming out the other side of it. People have started going back to hotels and things like that. Some of that income has dropped by anywhere from like 15 to 30% on the short-term rental side from where it was a year or two years ago, from what I hear from really major operators, like the guys that have 20, 30, 40, 60 properties that they're running short-term rentals. Mm-hmm. So their numbers are down, but they're still making certain, certain times 3000 5000 7000 $10,000 more a month than they would on a long-term rental. So that, that's one of the, the huge kind of things that's been happening in the marketplace is just kind of the movement into those higher returns with a more active real estate investment. I got you. Hold, give me one second here. Uh, folks, you're listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show in the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast, along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. Our guest uh, this morning is Andrew Shanti. He's with App, uh, Optimus Capital. You can check him out online at Optimus Capital Corp. That's O-P-T-I-M-U-S, capital with an A, corp.com. And he can be reached at 954-598-4564. I'll repeat all of that information as well as Rob Weinberg's information uh, in a few moments more towards the end of the show. I, I want to go back to, uh, to Andrew for you for a moment. How do you evaluate the potential return on investment for a real estate property? Great question, Gary. And so one of the really wonderful things about real estate is you can really forecast real estate and the returns on real estate in a way that you can't do with a lot of other speculative investments, right? You never know what's going to happen with the stock market. You never know what's going to happen with commodity prices. There's Mm -hmm. just no way to kind of forecast that. Real estate's a different animal, though, because everything in real estate is predicated on historical data, right? So if you're going to rent your property in, say, Connecticut, right? you're going to have a situation where your rent is going to be alignment with market rents in that area. You can research that. You can talk to a property manager. You can talk to a realtor. You can pull up on like a Zillow and you can figure out almost to the dollar what your property would rent for in the marketplace. You know, you can look it up online. It's public information, Mm -hmm. right? Now, what you can't do is you can't really speculate with real estate and just have to bank on the fact that the, the value of it is going to keep going up. That's market determinant, right? That's cyclical. You have markets that go up, markets that come down. So if you're investing in real estate just hoping for appreciation, you're gambling, right? You're, you're just rolling the dice and, and hope the market keeps going in your favor. However, if you're approaching it and looking at it from the fundamentals of, hey, how much money, what's the rate of return on my capital? I put in into this property, and now it's paying me out $20,000 a year. Look, $20,000 divided by $50,000 is going to be your rate of return. That's a phenomenal return on your investment for the amount of money that you put in. And it's not speculative because all you've got to do is 
keep somebody in the property. So that's, that's how it. that's how you assess the risks. Well, that's 100%. really the potential or, return. Or, yeah. That's the return. There's another one. There's for, another for thing risks. Though, to be looking at are what are their potential risks? Yeah. How you do know, you assess that? that? Yeah, Andrew, what do you think yeah. when it comes so to on, the on risk? The, on the risk side, right, it's really market dependent. So if, if you're in an area, I mean, let, let's take like what's going on in uh, like Jackson, Mississippi, right? You have a situation where uh, you, you've got like the water system or the plumbing system of an entire area has broken down and they're saying could be years before they're able to get it fixed. Certain areas like that are, you know, you're going to look at that information and say, well, that probably is not going to bode well for that real estate market for the next couple of years. So certain areas like that where you've got uh, just just news, right, or, or bad, bad news coming in, you want to stay away from those unless you're getting a really good deal, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you want to look at what's going on in the local market, and you also want to make sure that what you're doing is sustainable, right? So if you're going off of market rents and you're doing a long-term mortgage, you're going to be golden. You just got to keep up the property and, you know, make sure you're paying your, your mortgage every month. Now, on something like a short-term rental, right, you've got to be a lot more careful and you've got to make sure that, uh, say, for instance, the county is not going to go change the zoning on you, yeah. which has been happening in a lot of different places, like especially like Hawaii, right? You have a lot of investors that went into Hawaii, bought a short-term rental property, and then one of the islands changed its zoning so they can no longer operate it as a short-term rental. Well, well, in a situation like that, but you're that, not grandfathered in. Not necessarily. Oh my in, goodness. Certain, in certain instances, yes. In certain instances, you just get thrown to the curb. Andrew, uh, I mean, it even happened. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm running out of time. There's really a key question I wanted to ask you, but I'm going to actually, I'm going to have to ask you for a short answer to it. Sadly enough, because I've, yeah. I've, the clock is my enemy here, my friend. Just some of the common mistakes that first-time real estate investors make when securing a mortgage? I don't know if you've got a quick one-minute answer to that, but that's all I really have. Yeah, not doing enough research. Yeah. Bottom line, if you haven't done enough research and kind of explored the positives and the negatives, look, you can't just look at the positives. You've got to look at the downside. And if you're not, then you're putting yourself in a risky situation where you could lose out on it, right? So research, research, research know your numbers, know that you're getting a good deal, and know that you're going to be able to pay your mortgage. I would imagine creating an LLC, too, so that you're not personally held liable and nobody can come after your personal home, your residential home, right? 100%. In fact, on the hard money side, a lot of our industry won't do a loan unless it is in an LLC or being made to an LLC. Perfect. What I want to do is provide some information on how people can reach you. Again, we're talking with... Andrew Shanti from Optimus Capital. He can be reached online uh, at his website at OptimusCapitalCorp.com. That's OptimusCapitalCorp.com. And here, write down his phone number. It is area code 954-598-4564. I'll repeat that for you really quickly. Area code 954-598-4564. Six four. As for Rob Weinberg, well, this is we tell you this every show. Easy website. It's robgw.com. His website hasn't changed. It's robgw.com. Mortgage Matters Radio Show at gmail.com. And of course, his phone number 860-413-3938. I'll repeat that for you. I'll slow it down if you want to write it down. I know it's the weekend. 
You can call him today. You'll get his voicemail. You can always leave a message, or you can call him first thing tomorrow. 860-413-3938. Again, I want to thank our guest this morning, Andrew Shanti from Optimus Capital. Thanks for being with us this morning. For Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. Thank you so much for listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast. Until next weekend, have a good one, everybody. So long. Thanks for listening. If you have questions about the information we've covered or would like to discuss mortgage financing for your situation, you can reach Robert Weinberg by visiting www.robgw.com.